0: Welcome to the Novel Discourse Podcast, where we discuss great stories, how they're told, or at least that's what we normally do here. Um, But we're not going to do that this week. You see, um, we got caught a little bit off sides in the last week of producing episodes. We've got two episodes that we're currently editing that are taking a while. We've got another episode that we have planned. The episode we were going to release this week was going to be on Ernest Hemingway's The Sun Also Rises, but we haven't had a chance to record it. We've had a few out of offices. You know, life happens here at the Novel Discourse Studios, and um, that kind of left me here this week alone with a, a kind of a dilemma. Do I want to be one of those podcasts that maybe uploads an old episode and just kind of repackages it as, you know, from the vault? Or do I want to try to record an episode by myself like we did earlier this spring with The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss, which, by the way, was a great episode. You should go back and listen to it if you haven't had the chance, but I decided to do neither of those. Um, I decided to give to you all a thought experiment that crossed my plate, or it's really more of a hypothetical. Calling it a thought experiment sounds like it's a lot cooler than it really is, or it sounds a lot more cerebral than it really is. So, let me give you the hypothetical, and then I'll tell you why I found it so interesting. And by the way, if I haven't been clear about this, this hypothetical that we're about to go into has nothing to do with writing, it has nothing to do with storytelling. This is purely just something that I found to be fun. So if you want to stick around, get to know me more as a as a podcast host, get to know more about how I view the world, and have a little bit of fun with me along the way, then stick around. But if you're thoroughly disappointed that we're not going to be talking about storytelling or that we're going to be making fun of something, then um, maybe this episode's not for you. Just wanted to give you a heads up so you don't get 30 minutes in and be like, wait, Why aren't they talking about a a film or a a novel? So you've been warned. So there's another podcast out there that I'm not going to be telling you what the podcast's name is because I don't want to give it free advertising and have you go listen to them instead of listen to us. But they had a web series where they were talking to celebrities and asking them a series of questions from the internet. And one of the questions is hypothetical that for some reason I just found so interesting. And that question was, you're offered a billion dollars. That's a billion with a B. But you can never leave the state of Ohio. You can never physically leave the state of Ohio. Would you take the billion dollars? Now, I think for some people that's a no-brainer one way or another. And for some of these celebrities the answer was to laugh and say hell no. Well, easy for them to say. They probably have tens of millions of dollars already so they didn't necessarily need it. But for somebody like you or I that's Money could go a long way. There's a lot we could do with that money, right? On the flip side, there is a lot of opportunities and experiences you might be missing if you're locked into one location, especially a place, if you're not from Ohio, like myself, I'm not from Ohio. What would it look like to move to a a state that you don't know anybody or that maybe you get there and you don't really enjoy that much, right? Would the money be able to fill that void in your life that you've given up because you've given up maybe your home or your community, right? So This was a fascinating question for me for a few reasons. I think the most personal thing was that, for me, I love travel, and I love learning about different locations, different communities, different cities, learning about what they do well, what they maybe don't do well, what their their culture is like, and... I think that's part of the reason why I like shows like House Hunters or House Hunters International or I'll watch some of those YouTube videos where people will either travel around the world and do vlogs or maybe just the vlogs where people like uh, Ryan Serhant will show you houses in different parts of the country, right? So for some reason, I find all that very interesting. Um, and again, I think it is, I think it's deeply embedded in my wanderlust that I, I like thinking about what it would be like to live in different areas. The second part of this thought experiment that I think is really interesting is I think this is a variation of the conversation about does money buy happiness? Because you're not just given money with no strings attached. You're given a billion dollars, which is a lot of money. And you're asked, would you be happy living in one singular place? Even if that place is as large as the United States state for the rest of your life. Is that worth it? Now, you know, I think for some of you, it's not worth it because you love to travel or maybe you live on a state border or you don't like the idea of being locked into one place. And I think that's where the thought experiment becomes very interesting. This really is like a, a question of does money buy happiness, you know, is a billion dollars worth it to potentially leave behind the community and the family and the friends that you know and move to a place that maybe you don't know and you're not sure if it's going to agree with you that much. But in exchange, you get the kind of money that you can do things that you would never otherwise dream of, right? Maybe you are able to, you know, help fund your writing career, your creative career. Maybe you can use that money to create a web series, or to even fund or produce your own movie about your about your uh, novel. Maybe you use that money to start a foundation for a cause that means a lot to you. Maybe you just really want a ranch with a 1,000 acres. You can finally do that. Maybe you just want to ski all day, and now you can do that. So, again, is a billion dollars worth it to be locked into one state? And that was a question that fascinated me for some reason. And I, I thought about it. I thought about it for Ohio specifically. And then as I started thinking more about it, I started asking what other states would I consider doing this move in? What states sound fascinating to me? We are going to discuss this completely pointless hypothetical and where we would live, what we would do with it, why we would do it. Now, keep in mind, this is a purely subjective analysis. So don't get too mad at me if I'm not thinking of it the way that you would. I have different interests than most of you. I really enjoy certain things, which I'll go over when we go into our criteria. And I think that's gonna make my answers from this different than your answers from this. So here's my criteria for states that I would be okay with being, I guess you can call it landlocked in. First of all, I, I really like population areas. I want to be able to live in a big city. And that big city doesn't have to necessarily be the size of New York City. It doesn't necessarily need to be as dense or as populated. It could just be a, a city of three hundred, four hundred thousand 400,000 people that has a lot to do, right? a city like Portland, or even like Louisville, right? I just need there to be dining options, shopping options, different neighborhoods, different parks. I just want to be around people. But I also, within that, I want there to be some sort of sporting events. Um, Sports are really important to me. If I'm going to be a billionaire, I want to be able to buy season tickets, box seats, be able to give back if it's a college sports, if I'm going to college sports of some sort. Ideally, I could find a place that that has pro sports as well as college sports. The more successful, the better they are. I'm from the Dallas area, so I would, if unless I'm living in Texas, I would probably end up rooting for a new team or new teams, plural. So I wouldn't be rooting for Dallas teams of or my alma mater, but maybe find new teams to root for that I can give back to, give my time and my money to. Biodiversity is really important to me. I am not the most outdoorsy person in the world, but... You know, if you're going to be there, and you, you want to go on hiking trips or boating or skiing or something adjacent to all that. It, it would help to be in a place like Colorado as opposed to, you know, Nebraska or Kansas. Let's just be honest. Another thing that's important for me personally is golf. I'm a big golfer and golf is a sport that requires a lot of money. And most of the best courses are private. So being a billionaire, that's enables you to pay for golf courses that you otherwise wouldn't be able to play. And so which states have good golf? And is that golf close to where I want to live? That's another kind of small caveat. I need diversity, both in people and cultures, as well as, as I said earlier, biodiversity, I just need different options. That's why size of the state matters. So somewhere like Rhode Island is gorgeous. Providence is supposed to be gorgeous. Newport supposed to be amazing. However, I don't know that I could see myself living in that small of an area for, you know, the next 60 to 70 years, knock on wood, that pretty much outlines my, my major criteria. And as we go through some of these states that I've chosen, you'll, you'll see that play out. One more thing that I want to address before we get into my list is two common questions that my friends have, have brought up when I, when I bring up this silly hypothetical, they say, one, can I leave the state for like a day? day trip and come back or could I go on a vacation no you can't that's the whole point of the hypothetical you are physically stuck in these states um and then people get all granular with it and ask well if I leave do I die or do do I just hit a wall what does it work I don't know just don't leave the state just don't it whatever whatever you can wrap up in your mind whatever works in your mind just think about it like that People also ask, can I send my money elsewhere? Can I do things out of the state while I'm physically in the state? Can I bring family into the state? Yes, of course. You just physically cannot leave the state, okay? I guess there is one more clarification in this rules that I want to set up. One sort of variation or way you could play this game is to ask yourself, do I have to take the money now? Do I have to move to this state now? Or can I wait a year or two years or five years or ten years the way that I'm going to answer this is that I'm moving to this state right now, that I'm dropping what I'm doing and I'm going to take the billion dollars and I'm going to live in one place for the rest of my life. And I think that's an important distinction because if you're going to say, okay, I'll take the money in 20 years, that almost becomes a yes across the board for both states in the United States, right? I could wait till retirement age, take a billion dollars, build a dream house on the coast in the mountains, wherever, and just be done with it, right? This hypothetical, to to add weight to it, you need to say, in my opinion, you need to say, I'm dropping what I'm doing and I'm going to move out to the state in the next week, right? If you do want to think about it as maybe you can hold the money and wait, you know, five years, 10 years, 15 years, whenever you're ready, that's fine. But to me, that's a different question entirely. There's probably almost no state in the United States that I wouldn't be willing to accept a billion dollars and move to at some point I might just be 65 years old or something like that so so now that's cleared up when I look at the list of states that I've chosen that I would for sure take a billion dollars and live in for the rest of my life I've got 13 states and I've got seven that I've said maybe depending on the circumstance I may or may not take the money and then I have a whole host of states that I've listed as no that might be a surprise to some people I've got two states that are at the top of my list. These are, to me, again, this is all subjective, the two states that I would choose to be landlocked in by far. Um, my, my 1A and my 1B is Texas and California. And I bet this isn't that much of a surprise. I'm from Texas. I've got family in Texas, got friends in Texas. As somebody from Texas, I understand that it is a massive state that has lots of biodiversity. I think the hill country is... Criminally underrated is one of the most beautiful places in the entire country in central texas the coast is it gets a bad rap because galveston isn't great but if you go further south towards port aransas it's got beautiful coastline it's got again this again we share a coastline with mexico so everybody loves mexico's coastline south texas is a little bit closer to mexican coastline you've got the dallas area which is a massive metroplex about four million people you have Fort Worth that has about two million people, which is right next to it. You have Austin, two point five million people, an incredibly fun town with water sports and um, great nightlife and great dining scene. You've got San Antonio, which has, I believe, like one point eight million people, and then you have Houston, which is the largest city in the state. It's not the largest metro area, but it's the largest city, and it is actually. Did you know that Houston is the technically the most diverse city in the United States? Um, I don't know whether they track it by per capita or just the amount of ethnicities that live there, but Houston's very diverse. Got a lot of great dining, got great Indian food, great like Southeast Asian food. It's just, it's a really cool place, underrated city. So listen, having a billion dollars here wouldn't be hard. There's several cities you can split up your time in, great neighborhoods. Texas has a lot of lakes, which I would take advantage of. Having a lake house, maybe having a beach house closer to Port Aransas. I'd be able to support my alma mater monetarily and their athletic program. For those of you who don't know from a few of our previous episodes, like our Hell or High Water episode, my alma mater is Texas Tech, and Lord knows they need all the financial support and backing they need. I could become a great booster. Handing out illegal payments to top recruits across the country would be a great way to spend a billion dollars. Be able to finally afford box seats to... My Cowboys and my Mavericks and all my other Dallas sports franchises, it really is a no-brainer. You can spend time with family, can spend time with friends. Pretty much the only thing I'd be giving up for my daily life today is the inability to travel, or at least outside of the state of Texas. But in exchange, I can do things that I would otherwise not be able to afford, and I'd be able to have generational wealth and be able to give it to my family and friends. So Texas is a no-brainer. California is also a no-brainer, in my opinion. California is... I would, I would make a statement saying that California is probably the best place to spend millions of dollars. You have Los Angeles and all of the incredible wealth there, San Diego, San Francisco, the amount of incredibly nice neighborhoods, country clubs, world-class restaurants all along the coast. We're not even talking about like the Monterey Peninsula or Palo Alto. There's just, there's all these pockets of places that you could spend your time and your money at. I feel like from a big city perspective, you would never get bored. There's always something to do for you. It has some of the best national parks. I would say in the world with Yosemite, Joshua tree, you know, the Sierra Nevadas, you've got Reno, which is like one of the most gorgeous lakes in the United States. Got Redwood national forest. So many different ways to spend your time, your money, your resources. As a golf fan, you could have a place in the Monterey Peninsula, go play Pebble Beach all the time, live in L.A. Maybe you have a membership at Riviera Country Club or Bel Air Country Club. Something we didn't really touch on for Texas, but this applies, I think, even more so to California, is if you wanted to use your fortune to boost your writing career or maybe turns you can produce your own television shows or movies for your novels, your or your creative ideas. California is obviously a great place to do that. You could use your newfound wealth to create connections to use your creative talents to telling stories, which would be a huge benefit to having that California connection. As I said, you can do that in Texas as well with Austin because Austin has a booming television and film Seen, but it's obviously not anywhere near the capacity of what Los Angeles has to offer. A ton of opportunities to give back to those less fortunate in particularly places like Los Angeles and in San Francisco where they're currently dealing with a lot. Um, I think most people would hear that I've got Texas and California at the top of my list and they think about the politics of it and how opposite those are. And I'm sure for some people, while the allure of Texas or California would be far outweighed by the politics. Like some people maybe don't want to live in a place like Texas or California vice versa. To me that's not a big of a deal. Um I can look past that. These places are gorgeous. They have a ton of opportunity. They've got incredible diversity. Again, in terms of landscapes and cities and just places to be, you wouldn't feel trapped in Texas or California. They're huge places. They offer a lot of great places to live and in particular great places to spend your money. So Texas and California are my, by far, one and two seeds. My number three state, and I've thought about this a lot, I, I might not even have this as my number three. <laughs> I think my number four and five have an argument to be ahead of this. This might be some people's number one seed, but I've got New York. Listen, if we're talking purely from a, again, I know this is an incredibly selfish and materialistic exercise, but if we're going to... If we're going to think about it that way, if we're going to put aside how selfish we sound, New York City is probably one of the single best places in the entire world to be a billionaire. Um, from a housing perspective, restaurants, nightlife, it, you know, it's a great place to see and be seen. One of the biggest drawbacks of living in New York is the cost of living. But if that doesn't matter to you, that's pretty cool. Um, I watched all the Eric Conover and Ryan Serhant videos about the house tours in New York and in Brooklyn. And I I guess I should say Manhattan and Brooklyn. And I, it would not be hard to convince me to get an awesome pad in either one of those places. And listen, I'm a city slicker. Um, as much as I love the outdoors and golf, Hey, I can get a membership at Liberty national just across the water or the Creek, which is another course that's a little bit further in upstate New York. um, would I get tired of Manhattan or Brooklyn after a while? Perhaps. Um, I don't, I think that's the biggest risk for me in New York is would I eventually just get so tired of the, the absolute hustle and bustle and condensed nature of New York City? Maybe I would eventually. But if we're talking about furthering your writing career or your creative career, New York is probably the number two. You can maybe even make the argument it's the number one place in the entire world to be a creative Especially if you're a writer. All the agents, all the publishers, seems like half the writers live in New York or want to live in New York. So you would definitely be able to find a creative community up there, much more so in a place like Texas. Um, Although Texas, again, has a huge population to pull from. New York is just a very condensed area of creatives. So that's a huge draw for living in New York full time. You've got the Hamptons, which, if you're a billionaire, you can easily get a house there or anywhere along Long Island they've got a ton of really cool beach communities. Upstate New York has, it's one of the top states for finding a lake house and a lake. Their lakes are amazing, located in kind of the mountainous region of New York. In upstate New York, there's also some skiing. You know, the Lake Placid area, where they hosted the Winter Olympics, there's skiing in the area. If for some reason that you wanted to kind of live in a a city or city-like environment, but New York became too much, there's other options. There's the... Hudson River Valley, just upstream from New York City. where They've got some pockets of towns. You've got Buffalo. You've got Albany, which I don't know a ton about those places, but they are at least population areas. You've got coastline, which is great. It's something else that Texas and and California have. Um, Probably not the same level of coastline. If for some reason the Atlantic side starts to bore you, you could maybe get a place inland off of maybe Rochester or Buffalo. Enjoy Lake Ontario. New York is a pretty large state, so I think it will offer a lot of variety in terms of outdoor activity, and then again, just one absolutely elite major city to spend your time in. Um, It would suck to have to become a a Giants or a Jets fan, because they seem like very miserable people, but, you know, we'll live with it. I think most of you listening would have Texas, California, and New York close to your top five, unless you just hated the city life, unless... Like, I, I know some people that might choose places like Montana or Idaho very high up because it's all about the outdoors for them, and they want to get as far away from people as possible. I am not one of those people. So Texas, California, New York, I know for a lot of people, again, is going to be very high on your list. So I'm going to go down my four, five, and six. These are, again, places that I would for sure take a billion dollars to to live in for the rest of my life. Um, my number four is is kind of a dark horse. And I know some people are going to think this is I think this would maybe not even crack the top 10 for some people but I think the argument for this place is pretty incredible and that's North Carolina so North Carolina number seven in population number nine in state size I think I've got that right has the population centers now it's obviously doesn't have you know Los Angeles or Houston or New York City but it's got Charlotte which has just under three million people in the in the metro area it's got Durham Raleigh which has just around 2 million people in the metro area. That's comparable to Austin, Texas for both of them. Greensboro, Winston-Salem both have around 300,000 people. Um, all these cities are very different from each other also, which I which I greatly appreciate. In Charlotte, you've got the Carolina Panthers. You've got the Charlotte Bobcats, so you have your professional sports. You've got beautiful Lake Norman to the north, which has a lot of million-dollar homes on so you could live in Charlotte, have a lake house in Lake Norman. For Raleigh-Durham, if you wanted to get your college sport fix, you could either be a fan of Duke or North Carolina, which great basketball schools, football is hit or miss, but North Carolina is pretty good at football. Over to the west, you have Asheboro, which I would contend is one of the coolest kind of mountain towns in the United States. I think it has like 80,000 people, so it's not really a town per se, but Asheville's beautiful. I mean, it's where... The Biltmore residences. So, if it's good enough for the Biltmore's, it's good enough for me. So, you've got a place to have a mountain house. You've got a place to have a lake house. You've got multiple city sitters to choose from, sports teams to choose from. As a golfer, there's a ton of good golf in North Carolina. You've got Old Town Club in Winston Salem, which is one of the coolest country clubs I think that exists. You have the Pinehurst Resort, which is Probably the best res- golf resort in the United States. I think some Bandon fans might disagree, but it's pretty incredible. You've got Tobacco Road. So there's a ton of good golf around the state. North Carolina has a huge coastline that kind of juts in and out of the state's uh, center. Wilmington is kind of the, the focal point of the coastline. It's got about 120,000 people and a bunch of very old beach towns that dot either side of Wilmington and... um a lot of places in these kind of lowland areas of the Carolinas. Take your boat out, go fishing, doing whatever you want to do on the on the coastline. So you can have a beach house. You can have a lake house. You can have you can live in multiple population centers of over a million people. North Carolina has great mountains, tons of biodiversity. To me, North Carolina is not a hard sell at all. It's got everything you would ever want. You'd have to give up skiing, which for some people would be pretty tough. But, hey, I'd have to give up skiing if I lived in Texas, so we'll deal without that. So North Carolina is my number four. And sometimes I think it's better in New York. I just think that as a writer, you know, New York's got all the publishing and agents and writing communities. I think, I think as a writer, New York would be a pretty great place to live. So, but North Carolina is my number four. Very close to it is Georgia It's my number five. And I know that that might be pretty far on some people's list, but just hear me out. You've got Atlanta, which is one of the largest cities in the united states its metro area is pretty incredible they've got a ton of beautiful beautiful places in the atlanta suburbs marietta alpharetta those are two different places i just listed you've got some beautiful lakes in north georgia lake lanier being one of them if you want to get your college football fix you can go to athens they've got a small coastline but the size of the coastline is made up for the fact that it's got savannah it's got Jekyll Island, which are just really gorgeous and awesome communities. St. Simon's, these are great for golfers as well as history buffs. North Georgia is beautiful if you've ever been. It's got it's got a national forest up there, a ton of really beautiful small towns. My family used to have a cabin up in Ellay. It's a gorgeous part of the country, incredibly underrated. So could easily get a kind of like North Carolina, you can get easily get a Mountain House in, the, in kind of the north third of Georgia. Be really close to your main house in Atlanta. Maybe have another house in Athens if you really wanted to get into college sports. And then maybe a beach house either in Savannah or Jekyll Island, St. Simons. Um, hey, and if you're a billionaire and you can massage relationships, maybe you can get a membership at Augusta National. That would kind of be the dream. Um, I wouldn't necessarily put that into my, my formula of why I'm picking Georgia because I don't think it's very likely. There's been a lot of really big-name people that have been turned down. Apparently, Bill Gates got turned down for a membership at Augusta National, so I don't think it's a given that folks like you and me would get a membership just because we're, uh, we're billionaires now. But Georgia, number five. Number six, and this could be some people's number one, I'm going to go to Florida. The reason that I have Florida this low is because I just can't deal with the heat you'll notice that pretty much every state that I listed before this has some diversity in its seasons. I, I'm, a, I'm a seasonal guy. I'm not somebody that loves the cold or loves the heat. I kind of need all four. Um, one of the things I don't like about New York is that it gets really, really cold. And one of the reasons I don't like Florida is because it gets really, really hot. But more importantly, it gets really, really humid. It's, as old heads will say, it's not the heat that will get you. It's the humidity. The strength of Florida, in my opinion is that it has arguably the best place to be a billionaire and to spend money like a billionaire in the entire United States, which is Miami, in the entire Dade County, Broward County coast, Miami, Hollywood, Fort Lauderdale, Boca Raton, Palm Beach, Jupiter. I mean, if those places are good enough for titans of industry and professional athletes, they're probably good enough for you and me. If you own a boat, you could easily have a house down in the Keys, Key West, Key Largo it'd be pretty nice. One thing that I don't like about Florida is that every single really cool population area is just kind of like a variation of itself. They're just really nice beach communities. So again, Miami, Tampa, the Destin area, the 30A area, these would probably be where I'd have homes and they're all just cool cities on the water. Would I get tired of the beach communities and, you know, sweating every single day because I walk outside and even in the winter it's 80 degrees and humid maybe I consider Florida a very high ceiling low floor place great golf we didn't really touch on that but it has a number of amazing private golf course communities whichever you're a billionaire doesn't matter including Seminole Club which is one of the greatest golf courses maybe in the world it's very private you've got TPC Sawgrass you've got Copperhead you've got Doral and then you've got Orlando, which I don't know how I don't know how often you'd end up going to Disney World if you were stuck in Florida, but maybe that'd be a once-a-year thing for you. You've got college sports, you have the University of Florida, you have Florida State. So Florida kind of offers you everything. If Florida was a little bit cooler, kind of a more mountainous region, I think it might be closer to my number one, but Florida's number six. So next up we've got three states that for one reason or another are kind of in a tie. And I have them in a certain order, but I could be convinced to change these around completely. Those three states are Oregon, Michigan, and Washington. They all three have a ton of natural beauty, a ton of water sports and coastline, and really one major metro area that has a lot of good and a lot of bad. Oregon's my number one because I think it's just a little bit more gorgeous than maybe some of the others. I personally love Portland, even though Portland is, in certain areas anyway, it's going through some rough times. It's got an incredible kind of gastronomic culture, great wineries, um, great bars. Really could see myself vibing with the Portland area, Lake Oswego. Not a lot of golf, but great golf, particularly in the Bandon area. So you could have a beach house near Coos Bay could have a ski house in Bend. Bend is a really cool place. It has the last remaining Blockbuster, so shouts out to the last remaining Blockbuster, and again in Bend, Oregon. As far as college sports, you could get your fix on Eugene, Oregon, and be an Oregon Ducks fan, which would be pretty sick. Maybe if you're a billionaire, you can get some connections with Nike and meet some world-class athletes. Portland is just a really cool area. Um, you can just drive you know, a short distance and go to the Columbia River, go to Mount Hood, Your outdoor activities are at your doorstep. There's a ton of them. So Oregon would be a great place. I think my biggest concern with Oregon is that if you stopped vibing with the city of Portland, it really only leaves you with like two cities of over 200,000 people, uh, or I should say over 100,000 people, Eugene and Salem. And then Bend and Corvallis are the only two cities that are over like thirty or 40,000 people. So you're kind of putting all your eggs in the Portland basket. Washington was another one of those states in a tie. Again, similar reasons. It's gorgeous. Its main population area is significantly larger than Portland, and it's Seattle. Seattle's got some really cool surrounding areas, Bellevue, Tacoma. Um, You could even drive down to Olympus, kind of all on that Puget Sound area. If you own a boat, which if you're a billionaire, you probably should own a boat if you live on the coast, a lot of cool islands and places to visit, towns along the way. Seattle's got some really cool spots, obviously parts of the downtown are not doing well at all, which hey, maybe that's maybe that's kind of a good thing. Maybe that's an opportunity to give back and to improve the community. We've we've touched on that a little bit with some of the other states and cities. Um, you know, It's not all about, where can you own a boat? It's about what do you want to do with that money to make the world a better place? And Seattle, obviously, um, could use some philanthropy. So that could be another good reason to choose uh, Washington. Not much in the middle of the state, but they do have on the far east. You've got Spokane, so if you wanted to be a Gonzaga fan, you could do that. Uh, if for some reason you stopped vibing with the Seattle area, you could, again, move further down to Puget Sound, or you could go to Spokane, which has about, I think, 200,000 people, so big enough. Michigan, that was the other city that tied on this on this list. The Michigan coastline is absolutely gorgeous. I think most people that have been up there know that. You have a ton of lakes. I think it's I think it's the land of lakes, right? Is that is it like the state of lakes? I think that's its nickname. I'm a huge lake house person. If I'm a billionaire, I'm gonna have a lake house. I need a lake house. Michigan's a great place for it. I'm not sure if we really touched on this yet, but I'm a huge fall person. I, I love the fall, I love the spring, and part of the draw for a place like Michigan or maybe even the Pacific Northwest as opposed to like Florida. And this is part of the reason why North Carolina was high on my list is that I like the fall, I like the seasons and Michigan seems like a pretty elite place to, to have experience fall weather. So yeah, big, big draw for Michigan, in my opinion. Um, you've got a few cities you could choose from that have, you know, over the hundred thousand, two hundred thousand hundred thousand, 200,000 people. Um, some of my front runners would be Grand Rapids. Seems like it has a really cool brew culture, ton of, ton of really cool golf courses in the area. You've got Ann Arbor, which is a very neat college town. You could be a Michigan Wolverines fan. Um, Just east of Ann Arbor, there's obviously Detroit, which has a lot of not very good areas, but also a lot of very affluent areas. It might be kind of miserable to be a, a fan of Detroit major sports. I don't know if I want to be a Lions fan anytime soon. They've been not doing very well for the past, basically since I've been alive. Uh, At least the Detroit Pistons are doing kind of well. They've got a bunch of young talent. So anyways, Michigan, Washington, Oregon, they all have a ton of natural beauty. They all have at least one really cool population center. They all have college sports. They've all got major sports. They've got cool places to spend a lot of money. I think the biggest concern out of all these places I just listed is that could I survive the Michigan winter? I know their summers are really cool, but even as a billionaire, what would you do when it's, negative 10 degrees outside I don't know um maybe you have a big enough house to where you just are on you know quarantine like it's 2020 and you just hang out inside all day I don't know so to round out my list of states that I would for sure accept a billion dollars to be landlocked in this is where things get real tricky because this is the these are definitely states that I think a lot of people are going to disagree with me on on some of these at least um I can't figure out an order for these states at all So I'll just list them and kind of what I think about each of these as I just did. Um, Ohio, Missouri, Pennsylvania, and Colorado. And I know that at least two of those states you guys are going to freak out on. So let me go with some of the least controversial ones. Colorado, first of all. Denver's awesome. If you don't like Denver after a while, if you stop vibing with it, as I've heard said by uh, Tim Dillon, they're they're one bad mayor away from falling apart, which could be true. Um, Colorado Springs is incredible. Denver's a big enough area to where I feel like you could find different pockets to live in. Um, They've got, obviously, pro sports, Denver Nuggets, Denver Broncos. In Boulder, they've got the University of Colorado. Their sports program kind of sucks, but if you're a billionaire, you could help them with that. You've got Vail, you've got Telluride, Ure, Salida, Buena Vista, Breckenridge, just a ton of places, ski places, small towns. In the summer, you can go hiking. You can go whitewater rafting. In the in the winter, you can go skiing or snowboarding or whatever you do. bobsledding. ton of outdoor. I mean, the outdoor activities are limitless. Well, not quite limitless because there's no really water activities um, in terms of like a lake. There's no coastline. That'd be really hard for me to give up. Telling me that I could never have a boat, never could have. You know, if again, if I'm going to be a billionaire, I would want a boat. I would want a coastline or a large lake to do activities in. You don't really have that in Colorado. That would kind of stink. The golf is pretty limited. Um, That's another reason that I wouldn't love it. You've got in Denver. There's a handful of really nice country clubs, Columbine Country Club, Cherry Hills, pretty historic. But outside of that, the golf in Colorado is pretty hit or miss. That would be very frustrating. If you're going to be a billionaire, the fact that you can't have a lot of water sports and you can't play a ton of golf and you can't play golf for like half the year, that'd be pretty, pretty tough. But Again, some really cool population areas to spend your time, spend your money, Uh, and just a gorgeous state, obviously. That leaves me with my final three that are very controversial. Ohio, Missouri, Pennsylvania. So Pennsylvania is probably the least controversial. You've got a cool college town in State College, Penn State. You've got Pittsburgh, which from all accounts is supposed to be a pretty cool city, beautiful city, kind of situated in the mountains. I could learn to love Pittsburgh, could be a Steelers fan. And you got Philadelphia, which I understand that Philadelphia gets a bad rap and probably deservedly so, especially because of their sports fans. They have probably the worst sports fans uh, in the world. But Philadelphia does have a pretty elite kind of surrounding area. It's got some amazing golf courses, Union National, the Cricket Club, probably some very like if you're going to be a billionaire neighborhoods that you might want to live in in the Philadelphia area. Pennsylvania is a big state. You've got some natural beauty in upstate Pennsylvania. So, and you've even got a slur of a coastline on the Lake Erie side. So you could own a boat. You could live in two different population areas. There's some really affluent areas, both in Pittsburgh and in Philadelphia. So I could do, I could do Pennsylvania. Now I know Ohio and Missouri are the two on this list that most people are going to disagree with, but here's my take on it. I'm going to start with Ohio, three population centers with over 2 million people, Cincinnati, Cleveland, and in the greater Columbus area, I'd probably live in Columbus, live in Dublin, Ohio, be a friend with Jack Nicholas, play his golf courses, maybe even build one of my own because I'm a billionaire, have box seats to all the Ohio State football games. As we pointed out, I love the fall. I love tailgating season. I love sweater weather. And I don't know, I feel like Columbus, Ohio is, it feels very much like an epicenter of that that time of year. The leaves are turning different colors. You have a good football team or are supporting. I bet they have a great tailgating scene. I'm putting a lot of eggs into my basket for summer and fall, but I feel like Ohio could be an elite place to live during that time of year. Maybe become a Cavs fan. Maybe become a, a Cincinnati Bengals fan. You also have the Ohio River Valley, so it wouldn't be hard to find a mountain house or a cabin up in the woods you could build for yourself or again for family or friends to come visit you you could have a lake house you've got a ton of lakes in Ohio so again you got three cities of over two million people to choose from you have an awesome sports school to root for great golf kind of like Michigan elite summers winters would be very rough so ohio it's up there and Ohio was the again that Ohio was the the main question would you live in Ohio for a billion dollars and that's that's why I came to the answer of yes there's just I know Ohio gets a bad rap, but there's just too many options of places to live and things to do. And with a billion dollars, you can do things you otherwise wouldn't be able to afford to do. You know, as, again, as I could fund my writing career, could build a golf course, could build dream houses in each of those cities. be pretty easy. We didn't really talk about the coastline. They do have a coastline. They've got some communities around the Cleveland area, from what I understand. That leaves me with my last state and my for sure yeses, and this is a very controversial one especially considering that we haven't gotten to a lot of states yet, but I have Missouri running on my list, and that is partially because I've been to Missouri several times, and I understand that there's really cool pockets of Missouri. So first you have Kansas City, and Kansas City is split between Missouri and Kansas, but about 80% of Kansas City is in Missouri, about 500,000 people in Missouri, including where the Royals play, where the Kansas City Chiefs play, where most of their more affluent neighborhoods are, where most of their golf courses are. Um, Same thing with St. Louis. St. Louis is also straddling another state. However, on the Missouri side, they've got their affluent areas, including a few country club communities. Belle Reve is one of the most historic golf courses in the country. Missouri is a very large place. There's a lot of swaths of, I would say, um, to put it bluntly, like not great places um, where folks are struggling. But then you've also got in that area you've got pockets of really cool spots you've got lake ozark and you've got table rock lake which are legitimately two of the prettiest lakes in the united states with a lot of kind of like touristy activity and restaurants and things like that around them you've got lake ozark um has osage next to it next to table rock lake you've got the branson area which if you're not familiar with the branson area it is a very much a touristy town it's kind of like the it's kind of like the las vegas of the midwest minus the casinos. It just has a bunch of touristy stuff and shows and nightlife and all that kind of jazz. It's got really good golf in that area. There's like seven incredible resort golf courses, including Tiger Woods' latest course. So I think between those three population centers and then maybe becoming a University of Missouri fan and helping their athletic program, it could be some pretty cool opportunities in Missouri, at least for me. Again, very subjective. If you told most people I'm I'm gonna live in Missouri and I'm gonna become a huge golfer and go to college athletics. They'd be like, that sounds horrible. But again, for me, it it works. I'm gonna go down my list of maybes real quick and just very briefly talk about them. And some of these I could probably move into my yes category because they fit a lot of the criteria that I've got in my my yeses. I put Tennessee in maybe. I think my biggest concern there is that you really only have one major population center. You've got Nashville which nashville seems pretty cool on the outside i've been there twice the cool areas of nashville are so touristy at this point more so than even like portland or even seattle that it just gets it's bachelorette party central and if that was like the only place i could go to and enjoy a downtown experience that might get really old really fast tennessee's gorgeous it's got lakes it's got mountains um I did a little bit of research regarding the lake situation because, again, water sports are a pretty big deal for me, and I don't get the sense that Tennessee has any lakes that are as good as, like, Norman in North Carolina or Table Rock Lake slash Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri. So that's that, again, I took points off there. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm ignorant in that regard. But as beautiful as Tennessee is, I, I legitimately don't think it has the natural beauty as that you get in North Carolina or in Missouri. It's got Knoxville, which has the University of Tennessee. Hard for me to root for University of Tennessee because the worst person I ever met in my entire life was a huge Tennessee fan, so that kind of nicks the, the University of Tennessee football program for me personally. Um, so that kind of leaves you with the with the Tennessee Titans. So kind of a tough sell from a sports perspective. Arizona is a tough one for me. Got Arizona on here as my my number two maybe. I love the Phoenix area. You talk about wanting to be a golfer. Scottsdale is an elite golf destination, but you don't want to play past like April because it gets so hot so fast. Regularly has highs in the 110s, 120s in the summer. Um, Tempe is a very, I would even say it's almost like a downtown area, but it also kind of remains a college town feel. It, It very much reminds me of parts of Austin, Texas, we have kind of a, a waterway running through it, but it's it's kind of a college town, but there's also some nicer restaurants, nicer bars. Tempe's very neat. Scottsdale, right next door to it, is a pretty sprawling place. They've got million-dollar neighborhoods. They've got outlet malls. They've got the old town Scottsdale, which has shopping. And then at night, there's a very lively bar scene. So a lot to do in the Phoenix area. Most of the Phoenix area I love. I even like Tucson, which I know some people some people have different opinions on that. You've got Flagstaff, which is only about 50,000 people, but it has a extremely authentic old town square, main street area that is situated beneath some of these huge hills. Very pretty. I would say, just guessing from the times that I've been there, it's probably got 40 or so restaurants, breweries, coffee shops. So if you're kind of sick of the Phoenix area or the desert feel, you could go into a place like Flagstaff, be up in this sort of mountains, pine trees type area and have plenty of things to do in the evenings or in the mornings, just a really it's honestly one of my favorite cities in the United States that is under 50,000 people, it's just gorgeous. It's located in this kind of pocket of forest and it gets really cool different parts of the year so it even snows up there a lot. There there actually is skiing in Arizona. It's not great skiing, but it exists. You can go to the Grand Canyon Sedona's really neat. Arizona's probably the toughest call for me on this entire list just because I just don't know if I would get really annoyed that eight months out of the year I'm really hot. Kind of like Florida. Florida with less options, kind of. Um, I went back and forth on Virginia. You've got some coastline. Not a ton of beaches from what I understand, which is a bummer. Virginia Beach exists. It's a thing. It, From what I understand, it's not quite as clean and as cool as some of the other places with beaches we've listed like North Carolina or even Georgia's beaches. Got Norfolk, Newport News, Richmond, which again, I've heard mixed things on Richmond. I don't know if I want to be landlocked to places like those. I put Virginia as a maybe because if you can include DC, I'd probably do it. And I don't necessarily think DC is like the greatest place in the world to live, but it is a legit world-class city with incredible dining and things like that. So I could see myself having a place in one of the Virginia suburbs like Arlington um, or McLean or some of these other nicer kind of suburbs of Washington, D.C. Maybe being a Virginia fan and flying to, I think it's Blacksburg. Is that the name of the city? Yeah, Blacksburg. So there's options. Again, you've got coast. You've got some beautiful rolling hills. I just don't know if I want to tie my my lot in life to virginia beach or richmond right if i can include dc then i would say virginia moves to a yes but i'm gonna put it in the maybes for now um alabama is a maybe i know this sounds crazy but alabama's got some really cool spots on the coast orange beach gulf shores dolphin island tons of good golf great scenes there Birmingham is a super underrated city, in my opinion. It's got about 250,000 people located kind of in these foothills. You can do hiking. They've got this historic downtown area that they've been working on for quite some time. And they've had some really neat restaurants and kind of under undersold concert venues that have been popping up in the Birmingham area. I feel like it is the, it's kind of the gastronomic hub of that region of the United States tuscaloosa is kind of underrated in my opinion. It's a cool college town, has about eighty or ninety thousand people, so there's there's actually things to do there. Tuscaloosa Lake is really neat. It's where Nick Saban lives. They've got a really cool golf course on it. So Alabama leaves you with options, but those options are more limited than say places like North Carolina or, or Tennessee or whatever. Um, to round out my maybe's list, I've got three pretty controversial ones: Hawaii. Listen, Hawaii is incredible. I don't know that I would be forever happy never being able to leave the islands. That's that's a tough sell. I understand that Hawaii is relatively small, very mountainous. A lot of the population centers aren't that affluent, not doing too great financially. I think you'd be stuck in a lot of, if you wanted to be in nice areas, it'd be very touristy areas. You could have a really cool house there. You could have you know beautiful scenery but Hawaii is actually one of the smallest states in the union i think they're like number 43 in size so i think you'd feel very trapped very quickly in Hawaii but i have it as a maybe because it is that gorgeous you know going back to the variation of this whole scenario where you could wait and maybe accept this scenario when you're you know 65 or 70 if that's the case then Hawaii's probably a top seed right i mean the idea that you could wait till you're like 70 retirement age 75 whatever and accept a billion dollars and move to Hawaii and just spend your days there. That'd be pretty cool. But I feel like at this stage of my life, moving to a state of that size, I think eventually I would get trapped no matter how much money I have or no matter what I could do there. That trapped feeling would probably lead to some sort of crazy mental breakdown or something. So yeah, I would say Hawaii is a, it's a very, it's a maybe that is brinking on, I would say no. Utah it's like Colorado, but it doesn't have a city as cool as Denver, and it's a little bit limited. Um, Salt Lake City doesn't quite vibe with me. doesn't have as much to do as Denver. Don't get me wrong. It'd be incredible to be a billionaire in Park City, Utah, but I don't know if that's enough. Again, it's got cool spots. I just don't know. Like I think I might get bored after a while. And again, kind of like some of these other cooler states we talked about, temperature-wise. Would I go crazy in the winter? And... In some places, maybe not, because it's a really cool spot, like New York City, you know, or the Hamptons, but maybe in Salt Lake, I would go crazy. And then South Carolina, now I know that some people don't really see the difference in North Carolina and South Carolina, but South Carolina has, is a smaller state, smaller population. It's got Charleston, which is incredible, and it's got Beaufort, it's got Hilton Head Island, the coastline area situation's elite, but... Their biggest city inland is Columbia, and I think Columbia only has about 200,000 people. It's not a very big spot. It's got the University of South Carolina, so you've got that to root for, but no professional teams, no major professional teams, I guess I should say, in South Carolina. It's got Augusta, but not the part of Augusta that has Augusta National. so what's the point? So, I think I put it as a maybe because it does have some beautiful spots. Charleston area is elite for from a coastal perspective, but that and like Myrtle Beach. It's just not an it's got great golf. It's not enough for me to want to live there for the rest of my life. So, and then on to the nose or at least some of the controversial nose I've got listed. There's a lot more nose in there. Um, I'll just run down these real quick. Illinois, heavily populated, but a lot of that is in the Chicago area. That's not enough for me personally. Chicago would be a fantastic city to live in and to live well in, but the cold terrifies me. Yes, Michigan gets as cold, if not colder, but Michigan has much more to do in the summer and different population spots, just more variety. It's got Mackinac Island, it's got Traverse City, it's got Grand Rapids. I just think, I think Michigan has much more diversity. So no to Illinois. Indiana, it's got Indianapolis, it's got some cool suburbs like Carmel and Fishers, but I'm going to pass on that as well. Again, you've got the population centers, but they just don't, they don't do enough from an outdoors perspective. Just not enough variety. So I'm gonna pass on Indiana. I'm gonna pass on most of the Northeast because the states are just too small. Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, you're all gorgeous. Kind of the opposite of like why I'm passing on Indiana. Like you're gorgeous, but you don't have the population center. If a state that had the beauty of like a Maine or Vermont also had a city like Chicago, I would, I would probably choose them, but they just don't have enough going on from a population perspective. Same thing with Delaware. Same thing with Massachusetts. I know you've got Boston, but you're just not big enough. That's what she said. Passing on Minnesota, you give me Minneapolis, not much else. And I know that's offensive to people that, that live in some of these states. I'm just I'm I'm purely talking from a very cursory knowledge. So I could be very ignorant on these tags. And I should have probably prefaced that at the beginning. If I gloss over your entire state and say, not enough to do, no thanks. Just know that I have looked into it a little bit. I'm sure that there's a ton more to offer. I'm again, I'm purely speaking from the perspective of somebody that is wondering if I could spend the next sixty years of my life only being in your state. So you've got a lot of lakes, Minnesota, but again, your winters are a little bit too cold. I guess it's splitting hairs, but that's kind of why I choose Michigan over you. No to Wisconsin. And that's a tough no because they've got Milwaukee, they've got Madison, which is supposed to be really cool. Too cold with not enough variety. Some people are going to hate me for saying no to Montana and Wyoming and Idaho. It's some of the most, those are some of the most beautiful and large states in the Union. I guess you could throw Alaska into that category as well, but you just don't have enough from a population perspective. Idaho was on my, was very high up on my no list, meaning it was almost a maybe for me. You've got Ketchum, Boise, Coeur d'Alene. The only population area in that entire category that has like over 100,000 people is Boise, which think the metro area of boise has about 300,000 people so it's almost there but i need more than that if you gave me if you gave me one or two more cities of that size I, i'd be all in on idaho idaho's gorgeous got the skiing got the hiking have world-class lakes but i just need more people i need more i need more restaurants and nightlife and all in and, and golf and, and all that stuff nevada you've only got las vegas i'm gonna pass oklahoma oklahoma has some hitters it's got oklahoma city It's got Norman just beneath it could be a Oklahoma fan could be a fan of the Oklahoma city thunder could live in Tulsa, which is supposed to be pretty nice. You've got some cool lakes. Oklahoma is a, is a pass, but it's a pretty tough pass. Again, we're talking about a billion dollars here. Um, Louisiana, new Orleans is hit or miss Baton Rouge, Lake Charles Shreveport. They don't do it for me. Arkansas again, kind of the same category. It's, it's, it's got one major population area that doesn't have enough for me. West Virginia, Mississippi, Kentucky, again, just doesn't have enough for me. So that that rounds us off. I mean, I think that, I think I pretty much touched on most states and we probably missed a handful. I'm sorry if we missed you guys, but um, so my list, Texas, California, New York, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Oregon, Michigan, Washington, Ohio, Missouri, Pennsylvania, Colorado with an asterisk near Tennessee, Arizona, maybe Virginia. Did I get it right? Did I get it laughably wrong? Am I missing something incredible about one of these other states? What would you do with a billion dollars if you were landlocked? Personally, I'd probably have three to four houses in areas of different regions, lakes, beaches, cities. Like I said, I'd have box seats to major sporting events probably want to build a golf course or two I'd want to give back start a charitable contribution I'd want to use the money to help fund my writing career I'd give houses to my friends and family and have them move near me if I could yeah would you do it would you would you do this at all or is traveling too important to you I'd like to know um it's been a fun kind of exercise and thought and what what you want in life kind of encourage you to be thinking about this yourself um you know, we've got family that's currently looking at moving out of the state for jobs. And it's been a fun exercise to see what you truly value in life and what matters to you where you live. And uh, I don't know, it's a, it's a fun daydream of mine to just look at look at these different locations, see what different parts of the country have to offer. Because I'll tell you what, this exercise has taught me one thing, it's that the United States is a very diverse place. Completely different people, different ecosystems different topography, different offerings, and it's it's, it's fun, man. I'll, I'll tell you what, as somebody who loves to travel, learning more about the United States, we might have to uh, do more trips domestically because there's just a ton. There's so much of the country I haven't seen. A lot of the places that I listed as states that I could live in, I haven't been to. So, yeah, this was fun. Well, I appreciate you guys for listening, and again, we will get back to our regularly scheduled discussions where we talk about great great stories and how they're told. I'd love to hear if you actually enjoyed this, if you actually found this to be a fun conversation or a fun thought process. Um, Hopefully we don't have to do this too often, but kind of be interested to hear if we wasted our time or not, or if you thought this was an incredibly dumb experiment. I'd love to know if I should be doing this more often. When we're out of office, should we do episodes like this? Or should we just replay old episodes? Or something in between? I don't know. Let us know. Reach out to us. Novel underscore discourse. If you like what you heard, please like and subscribe, give us a rating, and tell your friends because we greatly appreciate that. That's how we grow, and that's how we can afford to do more things, more episodes, more YouTube videos. As always, this is Sam with Novel Discourse, and we'll see you next time. Peace.